Then, on awakening in the midst of the usual struggle, he would at once get up and transfer the bag to a new and more ingenious crypt. It was not that he was the direct victim of these phantasms, but he believed in omens and thought transference, and he deemed these dream robbers to be the astral projection of real personages who happened at those particular moments, no matter where they were in the flesh, to be harboring designs in the spirit upon his wealth. So he continued to bleed the unfortunates who crossed his threshold, and at the same time to add to his trouble with every ounce that went into the sack. As he sat sunning himself, a thought came to Jacob Kent that brought him to his feet with a jerk. The pleasures of life had culminated in the continual weighing and reweighing of his dust, but a shadow had been thrown upon this pleasant avocation, which he had hitherto failed to brush aside. His gold scales were quite small, in fact their maximum was a pound and a half, eighteen ounces, while his hoard mounted up to something like three and a third times that. He had never been able to weigh it all at one operation, and hence considered himself to have been shut out from a new and most edifying coin of contemplation. Being denied this, half the pleasure of possession had been lost. Nay, he felt that this miserable obstacle actually minimized the fact as it did the strength of possession. It was the solution of this problem flashing across his mind that had just brought him to his feet. He searched the trail carefully in either direction. There was nothing in sight, so he went inside. In a few seconds he had the table cleared away and the scale set up. On one side he placed the stamped discs to the equivalent of fifteen ounces and balanced it with dust on the other. Replacing the weights with dust, he then had thirty ounces precisely balanced. These, in turn, he placed together on one side and again balanced with more dust. By this time the gold was exhausted, and he was sweating liberally. He trembled with ecstasy, ravished beyond measure. Nevertheless, he dusted the sack thoroughly to the last least grain till the balance was overcome and one side of the scales sank to the table. Equilibrium, however, was restored by the addition of a pennyweight and five grains to the opposite side. He stood, head thrown back, transfixed. The sack was empty, but the potentiality of the scales had become immeasurable. Upon them he could weight any amount, from the tiniest grain to pounds upon pounds. Mammon laid hot fingers on his heart. The sun swung on its westering way till it flashed through the open doorway, full upon the yellow burden scales. The precious heaps, like the golden breasts of a bronze Cleopatra, flung back the light in a mellow glow. Time and space were not. God blimey, do it hurt you? Ain't it smug enough for the likes of you? That's what I want to know. No, no, Kent answered, sinking upon a stool with a sickly grin. I was just wondering. Did you ever see the like? The other went on truculently. No, ain't it a beaut? Yes. Kent nodded his head approvingly, intent on humoring the strange visitor, but wholly unprepared for the outburst which was to follow his effort to be agreeable. "'You blasted bloomin' burgo-eatin' son of a sea-swab! What do you mean a sayin' the most unsightly thing God Almighty ever put on the face of a man as a butte? What do you mean, you—' And thereat this fiery son of the sea broke off into a string of oriental profanity, mingling gods and devils, lineages and men, metaphors and monsters, with so savage a virility that Jacob Kent was paralyzed. He shrank back, his arms lifted as though to ward off physical violence. So utterly unnerved was he, that the other paused in the mid-swing of a gorgeous peroration, and burst into thunderous laughter.
The sun's knocked the bottom out of the trail, said the man with the gash between departing paroxysms of mirth. And I only hope as you'll appreciate the opportunity of consorting with a man of my mug. Get steam up in that firebox of yarn. I'm going to unrig the dogs and grub them. And don't be shy of the wood, my lad. There's plenty more where that came from, and it's you've got the time to sling an axe. And tote up a bucket of water while you're about it. Lively, or I'll run you down, so help me. Such a thing was unheard of. Jacob Kent was making the fire, chopping wood, packing water, doing menial tasks for a guest. When Jim Cardigie left Dawson, it was with his head filled with the iniquities of this roadside Shylock, and all along the trail his numerous victims had added to the sum of his crimes. Now, Jim Cardigie, with the sailor's love for a sailor's joke, had determined when he pulled into the cabin to bring its inmate down a peg or so. That he